So really at this point, to try and um, break the meeting up a wee bit, that you'll not be having listened to me for a very long period at a time at once, I want to give that word of testimony at this stage, and then later on we will come to the preaching of God's word. So I'll ask you, though, to turn with me, please, in God's word to uh, the book of Exodus. just want to read a couple of verses to you, as I would really tonight speak not of my full testimony, but of the Lord's calling uh, in my life and the calling of our family to serve the Lord in the land of Uganda. I just want to read a few verses in Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we read really, uh, and uh, we read from verse 7 down to the end of verse 10. It says in those verses, Exodus 3 verses 7 to 10, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come now to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land upon a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee and unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I don't know how familiar you are with the, uh, the work that is in Uganda. If you are familiar with that work, you will know that it is a work that predates the Free Presbyterian Church. Uh, you will maybe have heard of, of Noel Kelly, him and his wife Stella. They established that work some years ago. And there, even in this year that has passed, our brother uh, was called home to glory. They established that work uh, some years ago. Uh, and therefore, as I say, it predates the Free Presbyterian work the work which is under the, the auspices of Free Presbyterian Mission Society of Africa. Now, something else that predates the Free Presbyterian work in the land of Uganda is my burden for that land. My burden for Uganda goes back almost, it could be more, uh, we could say 10 years, uh, 2013 or indeed maybe earlier than that. I don't know the exact timing of the thing. I know it was at least at my beginning times of college. So 2013. In that year, the land burdened me to pray that he would open a door of service for the Free Presbyterian Church in Uganda. Now, that may seem like a very strange thing, an unusual thing to be burdened for. In fact, I've said this at a deputation meeting about the Lord burdened me to pray for it. And somebody at the door asked me, well, well, what was it that gave you this burden? Was it somebody in the land that you knew, or did you know something about Uganda? And therefore, it was from, through these things. I have to say it was through none of these things. It was completely owned of the Lord. The Lord put a burden upon my heart for the land of Uganda to pray for the seemingly random country, yet that burden was real. And the Lord put it, as I say, upon my heart. I prayed, and then it was amazing to see those prayers answered. And I just say at this time, I encourage you, those who are saved, if the Lord burdens you to pray for something, make sure you do it. If the Lord puts a burden on your heart, even not for a prayer, but to actually do something, make sure you do. Do not, do not ignore the burdens that the Lord puts upon your heart. I prayed, and the Lord answered. Again, another wonderful lesson for all. It was a simple lesson, yet a wonderful lesson is the Lord answers prayer. I remember I was still in first year in Bible college. That's quite some time ago now, 2013. I remember the day, Reverend Park, he was at that time a lecturer in our Bible college, a lecturer in impersonal evangelism. 
I remember him coming in through, into the class that day, of course, Reverend Park for many years was the, uh, was the secretary of our mission board and is still very active in the mission board. And he came in one afternoon with great excitement to tell us that it appeared there was a, a door opening for the Free Presbyterian Church in the land of Uganda. Now, while I had been burdened, yes, to pray for that land, to, to pray for an opening for our denomination, it was still an unbelievable shock to, to hear those words, to hear that news that my prayers, my specific prayers for this land had been answered. I was in my first year of Bible college, my studying it and well, trying to work out, well, what is the Lord's will for me in the studies? Where will he have me to go when my time is up? And as those the time went on, it the Lord continued to burden me for the land of Uganda. The burden increased, and of course, uh, with anything like that, if you pray for the Lord to open the door of service, you must be then very willing to, uh, to go through that door if God so chooses. So I left this with the Lord, uh, and very much was willing if it was the Lord's will. But then in the time it appeared that the door was opening for others, uh, and not for me. Uh, and I can honestly say that with that, with that door opening for others and, and not for me to go to the land of Uganda, there was a mixed emotion. There was in one sense, again, a, a great thankfulness to the Lord had answered my prayers. I had asked the Lord to open the door. I then asked the Lord to provide someone to go and to serve there. And here's the Lord answering that prayer also. Yet at the same time, there was a disappointment that maybe that door was not opening uh, for me. I went through the rest of my time in college. I very much knew as as my four years were concluding, coming to the close of that fourth year, very much knew the Lord's leading uh, to go and to serve him in County Monaghan in Corrigari Church. And uh, the lot was clearly of the Lord. And I have no doubts. I do not for one moment think that Corrigari was some stopgap. But it was the Lord's will, the Lord's leading to go and to serve the Lord there uh, for now over five years. Within those five years, within that time, even, yes, an immense privilege to serve there, and knowing it was the will of God, the Lord still had that burden upon my heart for the land of Uganda. It was brought to my attention at one week of the prayer, week of prayer, that they were, uh, they were looking men to go. Those who had been on to the, out onto the field, they had returned home. There was a vacancy there within the church and a need for men to go, simply even just for a month at a time, uh, to supply cover in the pulpit. Uh, I very much left it with the Lord if it was his will, even if he just wanted me to go for a few weeks, that I wouldn't be going trying to push open the door that he didn't want me to go through. That if it was his will, that somehow uh, someone from the mission board would speak to me and ask me would I be willing to go uh, for those few weeks. Now, the Lord burdened me much uh, over this time. I prayed much uh, about it. And then... It really, again, it is all the Lord's will. The Lord was answering that prayer. Some, uh, one Lord's Day afternoon, had this ring, Reverend McMillan. Uh, he is the minister, of course, there in Armagh. He's also uh, the chairman of the Uganda subcommittee. I had to ring him uh, one afternoon. It was, it was nothing to do with mi the mission field or Uganda or anything at all, but I had a sick aunt uh, in the Armagh area, and I was hoping that he would be able to go and visit her for me. And that's the reason of that phone call on a Sunday afternoon. I, I wouldn't make a habit of ringing ministerial colleagues about such things on a Sunday afternoon as they've, they're trying to prepare for the Lord's Day evening and, and they don't want their, their minds distracted by all these other worries and cares. But it's, it seemed an urgent uh, issue. I wanted him to, our brother to visit, him, uh, visit her if he could. 
But in the process of that conversation, Uganda came up. Oh, I didn't force it around you, Uganda, though I believe it was completely of the Lord. Our brother, he asked me about my willingness maybe to go uh, just for a few weeks, like I suggested, to go and cover the pulpit for a few weeks. And then after that, we talked on a little bit more about, about Uganda and so forth. And I can't remember the exact words that Reverend McMillan used, but he inquired about if I had any thoughts or had ever had any desire of serving on the mission field. Now, in that moment, I can't explain, uh, explain what really happened, but... It was like the Lord was beginning to really open that door. I began to sense that door opening and the Lord calling me to go through it. But that is not where the Lord's speaking voice ended. As I say, this was a Lord's Day afternoon. And as coming off the phone with all that was going on in my mind about uh, what we've just spoken, of, spoken about on the phone, I began to think about what I was preaching on that Lord's Day evening. I had my message prepared, but I'm sure like every minister, we were thinking over our message and, and going over our notes and so forth. And I began to think again about the message that the Lord had laid upon my heart to preach uh, that evening. It was in this portion that we have before us here, this evening, this portion that I've read to you there in Exodus chapter 3. We have been working our way through a, a consecutive study through the book of Exodus. Uh, we've been in it for quite some time, and this was very early on in that series. And uh, we're looking at this series, and often as a preacher, uh, sometimes you think of the message that you've prepared, how will the Lord use this message? Who will the Lord, who will, how will the Lord take this message and whose hearts will it be applied to? What effect will this message have on the heart of the hearer? And as I was thinking over all those things, it wasn't very long before I realized that the message and the person that would be spoken to would be me. It was a message of the Lord for my own heart. You see, it was this portion here in Exodus chapter 3 and standing at the burning bush, what we have ultimately is the Lord's calling of Moses to go and to be the deliverer of his people out of the land of Egypt. Now, what's the, what's the relevance with all this? Well, you see, if you understand and know the story of the life of Moses, you will know that it tells us even in Acts 7.25, it shows us there that Moses had some understanding of the Lord's calling in his life all those years ago while he was in Egypt. You remember that he went out and he, he slew the Egyptian and, and then when uh, the Israelites uh, challenged him as to the next day, he couldn't understand it because he says, how don't they know that I am to be the, their deliverer out of this land? Well, he had some understanding. But for the next 40 years, he would have to go and live within the wilderness. And then 40 years later, it is then when the Lord comes and speaks to him. Now think about it, those 40 years, surely Moses maybe was beginning to think, you know, I got that completely wrong. It mustn't have been the Lord's will for me to go, or for the Lord's will for me to serve him in this way. He began to think that he was wrong. He began to think the Lord was never going to, to use him. But you see, the Lord in his own time, some 40 years later, the Lord would speak to Moses about going and doing that work. Straight away I could see, this, this was really the, the main gist of my message for the people, that the Lord sometimes, he can call us to something, but said, so we have to uh, sometimes leave it in the Lord's hands, and it's in his time that he will open the door. And you see, here was the case. How I could identify with this. A land that the Lord had burdened me for some years ago, now it appeared that that door was opening to serve. 
And the words which really struck me and really served as our text that night was Exodus 3, verse 10. Those opening words really struck my heart as the Lord's word to my own soul. Where the Lord speaks and says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. Come now, therefore. Now is the time to go. Come now. Now is the time, and I will send thee. Oh, I wasn't going to go in my own strength, but the Lord was here promising to send. And really, that is why I stand here tonight speaking about a call to Uganda. The Lord burdened me to go, and the Lord will have me to go. I believe the Lord has called me to go now. Uh, I could say this is enough, and this was enough for me. It's very strange to think that the Lord could call you to a land, uh, to a church that you've never even preached the gospel in. But I believe that the Lord, even at this time, was, was giving me a clear call, a clear view of what he wanted me to do. Now, I was due to visit the land of Uganda for those few weeks that were spoken of to cover the pulpit just for a month in May 2020. Well, then COVID-19 happened and, you know, everything that was closed down and, and all flights were cancelled and all everything else that went with that, my trip had to be postponed. However, the church remained open in Uganda through much of that time, and I was able uh, to minister to them via Zoom uh, through a translator. So there was one challenge, uh, just preaching via Zoom. That was very new to us all at that time, and then to try and preach through a translator at the same time. But the Lord undertook and gave me wonderful opportunities in that, and a wonderful blessing. But every time I preached the gospel, it just burdened me more and more uh, to go out and to speak to those men and women and boys and girls face to face and truly knew it was the Lord's call on my go and then as you will see in the video if you're back at the midweek meeting I did go out then eventually in March 2022 uh, knowing really before I went that the Lord was leading us uh, to that land I then returned in in June the end of June along with my wife and our children to that land and uh, I can say safely that we know assured that this is the Lord's leading the Lord's will the Lord's call for us to go we all know those wonderful words in Mark 16, verse 15, that go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, we know those words. They're very general words. We know them as the Great Commission. But then every time I hear those words, really in recent months, in these last year or so, I can't get past the word go. A very personal word, a word that strikes my heart every time I hear it, go. My time, as those words in Exodus 3, 10, come now, therefore, and I will send thee. Or it says in Joshua chapter 1, it is now time to arise and go. It is the Lord's leading that we will go. And sometime later this year, I say it was one of the most asked questions in deputation when you're shaking hands at the door. So when he actually going? Well, my answer to that question is we don't know. And the Lord's will it will be sometime this year. Uh, but please do pray for me, pray for my wife, uh, pray for our children as we would go. It's a big step to leave family behind. It's, it's going to be hard for the family as well. So uh, please do remember them in prayer. Remember us in, our, in your prayers. And if you're back during the midweek meeting, you will see some of the other things which uh, we really would be burdened for you to pray uh, for us. So really that is uh, my word of testing, my calling to the land of Uganda. And I trust that the Lord will even bless uh, these few thoughts uh, to our hearts. I ask you to turn with me now, please, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Now, I'm not going, it's not a, a long sermon. Don't be panicking. Uh, but I want us to consider God's Word together here tonight. Acts, chapters 20, Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 26, down to the end of verse 35, we read, 
And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understand thou what thou readest. And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Amen. We trust the Lord will bless this reading of his word. Let us unite our hearts very briefly before we come uh, to look at these words together. Our loving God, we ask thee to take thy word tonight. Even, Lord, which has been said already, own it, use it, Lord, we pray. Challenge, Lord, thy children to give their all in service. Challenge, Lord, those who are unsaved to give their life to thee. Lord, challenge us tonight through thy word. Speak to us, Lord, through this portion. O Lord, may there be word and season for our hearts, we pray. O Lord, fill me with thy spirit again that thou may use me. Do ask these things in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And tonight, in the few moments that remain, I want us to consider this encounter between Philip the Evangelist and the Ethiopian eunuch. I've spoken about my call to the land of Uganda. I've uh, relayed to you uh, the God's call about going to Africa. Now, uh, some people, particularly when they watch the video and they see my small children, see my, my little girl, I, I know that some people are thinking, why? Why on earth would he go to the land of Africa? Why would he go and bring his family into this literal third world country to serve the Lord there? Or we could ask it maybe in a slightly different way. Why would the Lord call us to go? Why would the Lord send us to Africa? Why would he send us? Well, I believe that this portion that we've just read together, this account between Philip the Evangelist meeting with the Ethiopian eunuch, explains why the Lord would send, why the Lord would have us to go to Africa. See, as you consider this portion before us, we see there is, of course, a reference to the African. Here he is known as the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, much would say here it's not speaking about geographically Ethiopia as we would know it today, but very much this speaks of man. It has really a lot to do with his skin color. He was a man of Africa, a eunuch from Africa. This is an African man, this Ethiopian eunuch as he is known. And I want us to consider, even before we go any further, that I don't know if you've ever considered it before, but Africa, it plays an important part in Scripture. Consider the River Nile. 
In the land of Africa, there's not a continent there of Africa. This man that we mentioned even in my testimony, this man Moses, it was in that river in the land of Africa that that little boy, that little baby would be placed upon the bulrushes, that his life would be spared, that in the Lord's will, in the Lord's time, he would be used to deliver the people out of that land. It was in the same land of Africa many centuries later that for some time in the early years of his life, the Lord Jesus Christ would live. Now, you have never considered that, that he fled from Bethlehem with his mother and father and uh, mother and Joseph, and they went to the land of Africa. No, they could go on and on. There's many other examples of Africa playing a prominent place within Scripture. And here, as we come to Ethiopian eunuch, we see another man. We see another account that brings to our attention Africa and the African. And I want us to consider that really tonight in terms of the African and the gospel. And we can see that there is this link between the African and the gospel. We can see why the Lord would call me, would send me or send anybody else. He would take our little family out to the land of Africa. I trust that we will see. Yes, we can say it is because God called us to go, but why? Why would the Lord call us to go? So in the few moments that remain, I want us really to try and consider that. And I've titled this short message, The African and the Gospel. The African and the Gospel. Now, as we consider this together this evening, the first thing I want you to see with me is God's interest in the African. God's interest in the African. Very early on in this portion, in fact, from the first verse that we read together, from verse 26 down to the verse 29, it is clear from these verses that the African, this particular African man, was important to the Lord. Verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Here's Philip being called away from the city, called away from the place where the Lord is really blessing to go down into the desert. And the reason to go down there because there was a man. This man of Ethiopia. And we see that in verse 29. It says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. You see, this was the purpose in God sending Philip away out into the desert. It was to go and to find this African. It is clear, therefore, from these verses that the African, this African, was important to the Lord. So important that he would speak unto Philip, directing him to head into the desert to find this man, and once finding this man, to run onto him and join himself onto him in his chariot. God clearly had an interest in this African. Dare I say, he still has an interest in men, women, boys, and girls from Africa be it an Ethiopian, a Kenyan, or a Ugandan, or anywhere else on that vast continent, God still has an interest in the African. Now, what lessons can we take from that this evening? Well, there's, just, there's many lessons, I suppose, we could, but let us, for the sake of time, consider just two. See with me, firstly, that if God is interested in the African, as we can see that this, this portion teaches, if God has an interest in the African, and so should we. Now, I do not need to tell any of us that, the very, uh, that, in the very least historically speaking, the people of Africa have been seen as those who are somehow lesser than those from the West. I trust none of us, of course, uh, think like that. I trust that we all do and trust that God does have an interest in them, that they are equal. They are our equals. 
That these men, if they're men and women, boys and girls, if they're important to the Lord, they should be important to us. We should see them as equals. We should see them as our fellow men. Men like us, made in the image of God. It's the little chorus which we often sing, and uh, maybe for some, some now today it's, it's not seen as politically correct, but that little chorus that says red or yellow, black or white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the children of the world. Well, Africa, the African is important to God, so much so that he became important to Philip. And you see, this is what we must see. If God, if they're important to God, they must become important to us. And we see that is the case here. He was important to God, and therefore this led to him then being important to Philip. That Philip would arise, that he would go, that he would run onto this charge and join himself onto him. And then, as we will see later, preach the gospel onto him. That which is important to God should be important to us. The African. It's important to God, so therefore it should be important to us. Important enough for us to pray for them. Important enough for us to pray that uh, for one, uh, pray that the Lord will raise one up like Philip to go and to preach on to them. Important enough to give to the work with prayerfully and financially. Important enough, maybe, even for us to leave our all and go and serve among these people. So may them African be as important to us as they are to God. Well, see with me another lesson that we can take from this fact. If God has an interest in the African, then so should we. But let us note also, if God has an interest in the African, well, then he also has an interest in you. Now, I said earlier that we can agree that the African is not lesser than us. He's not lesser than the white man. He's not lesser than the, the Westerner. He's not lesser on us in any way. Oh, he may have lot, a lot less than us. He may not have the same financial stability as we have, but yet he's no lesser than us. And therefore, if he is our equal, if this African is our equal, and if that African is important to God, well, then we must see that you too are equally important to God. See, from these verses... We don't just see how important this one man was to God. But we are equal to this man. Equally important and precious to God. You see, we live in a day. We live in a day when so many thinks they are unimportant. There's so many in this world. They're going out into a, ushering themselves out into an eternity because they think their life is of no value, of no worth, that no one cares and no one loves them, that they're simply unimportant. You see, there is one. Oh, even if all uh, friends and all family and all people on this earth feel you, there is one who you are important to, and that one is God. So important. How important are you to God? Well, God so loved this world that he sent his only begotten son to die for your sin. Oh, the Ethiopian was so important to God that he searched after him, sending Philip to, uh, to him to teach him to teach him of the love and forgiveness that he could find through Jesus Christ. And on it, one of you are here on it or listening online without Christ, may you realize what Jesus Christ has done. And maybe tonight the Lord searches after you for the very same reasons. And this brings us to our next consideration. We've looked at God's interest in the African. But see if me, secondly, the need of the African, the need of the African. 
Look at verses 30 and 31, please, if you still have your Bibles open there in Acts chapter 8. Verses 30 and 31, it says, And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understand thou what thou readest. And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Here the Ethiopian reveals his great need. He needed someone to explain to him what God's word was teaching in this portion. A portion which is, which is Isaiah chapter 53. Prophetic words concerning Christ and the gospel. He needed someone to preach on to him Christ. And you see that need has not changed. That is still the great need of the African. Oh, there's many needs in Africa today. There's some parts of Africa the needs are greater than others. There's, there's great poverty all across that vast continent. So much great physical need, so much great medical need, so much great need. But the greatest and truest need of any African today is a need of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A land, Uganda, take it, that land that we go to in the Lord's will. A land which on paper is called a Christian country. Like many other Christian African countries, they know very little of what it truly means to be a Christian. The many of them are victims of false teaching they've received any teaching at all. You see, the great need of the Ethiopian eunuch and millions upon millions of Africans it is the need of Christ and the gospel. And here's another aspect where, where many in this land, and maybe even you, are more like the African than you think. Oh, you don't have, as I say, the poverty. You look at the African, you see the little child sitting in, in torn clothes that they've even got that upon them. And you look upon them with pity and you, and you think, oh, they've got nothing. But you see, you are in the same great need as many of those Africans today. Oh, yes, it's not a physical need. It's not that physical need. But it's a great spiritual need. You are in that great need tonight, just like them, of a Savior. Well, that is your great need if you are unsaved. It is the great need of so many in our day. It is the need of the African. That is why God sends people to Africa. To bring them to the message. Bring them the message. And then that really brings us to our concluding point this evening. There is God's interest in the African. There is the need of the African. But very quickly as we would finish, there is God's message for the African. Having told Philip of his great need. For someone to explain to him what he was reading. He says, how can I accept some man, uh, some man really explains it to me. I can't understand this message before me. Expressing that great need. Look what Philip's response was in verse 35. It says there, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip didn't respond to the eunuch by trying to explain to him how he could make him more efficient in life and how to improve his circumstances or how to improve the fellow man's circumstances in that land. It wasn't some social message. It wasn't some message of how to better himself in any of these ways. But Philip's response was to preach unto this man the Lord Jesus Christ. To preach unto this man Christ and the gospel. This was God's message for this man. It was for this purpose that God had sought him, sending Philip to speak to him. Philip was sent, as verse 35 tells us, to preach unto him Jesus. Jesus Christ was God's message for this African. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, consider what it was the Ethiopian was reading. And therefore, we see what it was Philip was preaching about this man called Jesus. Verse 32 says, the place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. See, as we consider the Lord's interest in the African and need of the African, we see that the message of Christ, the lamb led to the slaughter, is the message that needed to be understood and received by him. And again, nothing has changed. This is still the message that Africa needs. The cry of John the Baptist is the cry that must go out in Africa, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the message for the African. It is the message too for you if you are still unsaved. Well, you must believe in the Lamb that was slain to take away your sin. This is the message that we who are saved must strive to share. Now, not every one of us will cross the oceans. It is physically impossible, maybe for every one of you, to be a missionary, as it were, and and to cross the oceans and bring the message of the Lamb of God. But you see, while you cannot cross the oceans, your prayers can. Oh, pray for the one who will go. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for a sister knowing. Pray for others who will go, maybe, in the Lord's will in the the years to come, in the days to come. Pray. Support our missionaries with your prayers. Join with us. Join with us in sharing the gospel with the African. God has an interest in them, as we've said, so so should we. So why? Why would God send me or you or anyone else to Africa? He would do so because he has an interest in them. He wants them to hear the message of salvation and be saved. Child of God, therefore may we all pay our part in reaching them for Christ. Now, it's a vast, vast, vast task. Uganda alone, nearly 50 million people alone. So many children, so many people. The vast continent, I don't, know, I don't even know how millions there are upon that land, but they need to reach their Christ. And therefore, yes, it will take time. It will take our prayers. It will take our efforts. It will not be done overnight. Never let me conclude with a quote from the great missionary, uh, David Livingstone. I ask you to join with me in uh, really taking these closing words of David Limes and making them our prayer for Africa. Even just for one little part of Africa, which is Uganda. This is what he said. He said, It is hoped that on the African continent, our deeds may in our children's day bear fruit worthy to be held in everlasting remembrance. Now we say that again. It is hoped that on the African continent, our deeds may in our children's day bear fruit worthy to be held in everlasting remembrance. May that be the case. Oh, maybe not today. Maybe not in our time. Maybe not in our day. We will pray and we'll pray on in our whole life. We may never see a move of the Lord, but in our children's day, may there be fruit. May there be fruit worthy to be held in everlasting remembrance. And while we pray that for Uganda, pray it for carried off. Pray that the Lord will move. Maybe not in our day. May we be simply glad to sow the seed, trusting that the Lord in his time, that he will give the increase. May the Lord take his word, may bless it to each and every one of our hearts uh, this evening.